Okay, so let me ask you a question as we get started, okay, as you think about this. And here it is. Here's the question. Is there something about yourself that you wish you could change? Right? Loaded question. Right? Just one? Like, there's all sorts of things around, about most of us that we would say, you know, I wish that, that I, I could change that. Or I wish that even you might look at it and go, I wish that God had, had made me a little bit differently. I wish that I was wired a little bit differently. I wish that I looked a little bit differently. I wish I was a little shorter or a little taller. I wish that I, I was maybe a little thinner or a little heavier. or Like all of those things become part of what we think about. Um, when we think about self-image, that becomes a huge part of self-image. And honestly, today, self-image is such a big problem. I mean, you've got social media that's out there. You have all of these folks that are, you know, in, in movies and movie stars. And you have um, social media stars. You have TV stars. Like, all these people you're looking at and go, man, I wish that I could look like them. I, I wish that I could have what they have. I wish that I could do what they do. And all of those types of things. And there's this envy that kind of sets in. And I wish that I was different. I wish that I was different. And I would imagine that every one of us is living a kind of life that says, man, I wish there was something different about me. And it's really hard, honestly, to to get to this place in your life and kind of lean into the fact that God created you the way he created you. Like God God decided, yep, that you would have um, those color eyes. Yeah, he decided that you, for men, that you would or wouldn't have hair. Like he knew that. My kids were messing with me the other night. Um, they said, listen, Dad, I think you're going to go bald really soon. And I said, I'm not going to go bald really soon. I said, There's a, there, it is more likely for your brothers to be bald before I'm bald, right? Uh, because, and here's why, it, it, part of the, God made it, right? Like, we kind of get our hair from our, um, our mother's side of the family, and my grandfather on that side of the family, he died with a full head of hair, so I am not worried about it, Right? Now, on the other hand, my kids, and then they would take after my father-in-law, and he didn't have as much hair. So just throwing that out there. But that's how God decided that it was going to be. Some of you didn't even know that, so sorry, Matt, about that, Um, and Travis, and all the other. Anyway, God created you that way, right? Like, God made you that way. Like, I've struggled my whole, my whole adult life. Like, I've struggled because I'm, I'm made this way. My body is this way. Like, I, the, way that, the way that my body metabolizes food is different. Like, I can, I can sit next to somebody who has a better metabolism than I do, and he can eat the exact same things that I eat, and he never puts on any weight. And I'm sitting here going, there's 10, there's 15, there's 20. I can go away for a week and eat just a little bit of what I want. And like I pack on seven pounds. Anybody else? Like that's part of how you feel? Um, that's just the way God created us. Now here's the thing. It's, it's, not, it's not really an excuse though. It's not really an excuse. So what you see in Psalm 139, which is an incredible chapter in the scriptures. In Psalm 139 you see this God who, right, the, pe- the part of it is like he, he like knit us together in our mother's womb. Like that's what he gets to. We'll get to there in a few minutes. And, and you begin to say like you are, you are really woven together and God kind of put the details of who you are into your life. Now here's the thing that you got to also remember though is there's this other thing that came into the world called sin, Right? 
And so, because sin creeps into the world, what it also does is it taints God's creation. And so, there, there's, nothing, there's nothing perfect anymore. And so, yes, you were, and God cares so deeply about you, and you see that throughout the Scriptures, but it's also one of those things is, when, when, you, when you are a sinful creature, there's also a way that who you are gets tainted by that sin, which is, which is why you can't look at it and go, well, if I'm an, if I'm an al- alcoholic, for instance, you can't just say, well, God created me to be an alcoholic. No, I mean, that's just, ultimately, that's a result of sin in, in your life. And, and, not, and, and not to say, that that's what happens to all of us. Like, I'm not picking on that one particular thing. Like, for me, it's food. Like, my, my thing is food. Like, I'm a, I'm a stress eater. I'm, I'm that type of person, and I can sit there and eat and eat and eat. Like, there's, there's been times, I'm ashamed to say it, but, like, you put a, a box of, like, Little Debbie, you know, oatmeal pies in front of me, or, or Swiss cake rolls, or uh, all of the, like, I'll eat the whole box. I just, that's the way I am. Like, you throw some cheesecake down. Now, anymore, I will be honest, like, I don't eat that much sugar, so I would also probably, you know, have a really you know, sore stomach at that point. But, but that's what happens with sin, right? Who we are, who we're created to be gets tainted by it. In fact, in Psalm 139, you know, it's, it's, a, hot, it's a hot passage of Scripture right now. I was talking with Travis this week about it. Is it it's being thrown around a ton, right, because of, because of the Roe v. Wade um, decision that the Supreme Court overturned. Right, and you've probably heard like that particular passage, but what you don't hear thrown in there is the guy who wrote that Psalm one thirty nine was also a murderer, and we don't think about that, right? Why? Because because that stuff all gets tainted. It gets tainted by sin, and the reason I the reason I mention that up front is because you're going to read all these things today in Psalm one thirty nine. It's going to be really easy to kind of jump on something or jump on an issue, but I want to remind you, like. Without Jesus, in our pursuit of Him, like the, 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 the way that sin has tainted our life, like has a tendency to take us so in the wrong direction with things. And you really, as a follower of Jesus, have to be very mindful of that. The other thing I want to mention is, as we turn to Psalm 139, we just kind of dig into this, is um, this is written, as, as David would write this, he is, he is talking, and what he would say in, in the way that he approaches it is, this is written to God's people. So in particular, as a follower of Jesus, and this is an Old Testament passage, so you've got to look at it kind of in this New Testament perspective, right? So all of the things that you begin to see are true and the right, but it's also one of those things you've got to understand. Like You can't just read Psalm 139 out to the world and, and expect them to embrace it and understand it right? Because he's writing this to God's people. And, and when you look at it from that perspective, it's something that as a church, right? If, if say everybody in this room is a follower of Jesus, we've made a decision in our life to follow him. Like if that's true of all of us, then we're leaning into this passage, realizing like this is true of what happens when we follow Jesus well. And we understand those things. And so it's one of those, it's, it's the Roe v. Wade thing, right? So like as Christians, we want to scream it from the rooftops. But at the end of the day, like uh, lost people, I don't know if you know this, I've said it before, but lost people are going to act like lost people, right? We can't expect them to adopt what we believe in the scriptures. They're not going to. They're just not going to. Okay, so Psalm 139. Let's look at this. I got four points, a couple things I'll just mention along the way. It's broken up into... 
uh, six verses. So you got six verses each, uh, and so you got four different points along each one with six verses. So Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6, um, and uh, let's read this together. Let me empty these things from my Bible so they don't fall out as I do this. Okay. Um, O Lord, he says, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You like that one? Uh, Yeah, thanks Liz, it is. It is. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. So here's one thing you got to think about when these few verses in it, and it's true of most of this passage. So you can look at this in two different ways, right? You can look at this in two different ways. One of the ways is you can be super encouraged by this. Like, oh man, God is everywhere, and God knows everything I'm going to say, even before I'm going to say it. Isn't that amazing? And you're like, this is so cool. You can take that approach. And some of you will. Some of you are going to be like, yes. Then there's the rest of us. And we're like, I'm not sure I like that idea. Right? Like you're looking at it, you're going, I don't want God to know what I'm going to say before I'm going to say it. I don't even know what I'm going to say before I say it. I'm trying to, you know, all of those types of things. And, and so that's in the psalmist, actually, every one of these, in these four different stanzas, so to speak, in this particular psalms, that's, that's something you've got to be mindful of. Is you, you can look at it, be super encouraged, and this is awesome. Or you're going to look at it, you're going to go, but wait a minute, I, I struggle with this. Now, a couple of things to think about when this part in particular. And so here's, here's the first thing I want to say if you're a fill-in-the-blank person. First thing I want to say is this. God knows you. God knows you, so stop pretending. I mean, that's, that's, I, I'm just, I was working through this. I was reading through it. I've read, I mean, all these different commentaries this week trying to kind of get my head around Psalm 139 and and, and that's, what, that's what really just stirred my heart, is that, look, look you, you can't fool him. He knows you. In fact, in, in different places in Scripture, when you talk about the fact that he knows what you're going to say even before you say it, well, that's because he tells us later, Jesus actually tells us in his ministry, he says what? With the overflow of your heart, and the psalmist wrote this too, but with the overflow of your heart is what comes out of your mouth and so he he knows your heart like he knows your motivation he knows your desires he knows who you are I mean he created you and he knows that it got all messed up because of sin like he knows that and so don't don't try to pretend a lot of us we try to pretend that's what the Pharisees would do in the New Testament and why Jesus always got all over the Pharisees is, is because they, they outwardly tried to make their life about the show that people could see, right? But inwardly, I mean, they were a mess. They didn't, they didn't even do the things that they told other people to do, those types of things. Like, that's the stuff that's going on. He called them hypocrites. He got all over them. And the reason that happens is because they, they, just, they just pretended and, and that's true of so many 
believers today, so many people who would call themselves followers of Jesus, they're living a life and they're just pretending. They're going through the motions, right? There's nothing in their heart that speaks of them being a true follower of Jesus. They're just doing it. It's like, you know, we talk about the checklist. Like, they're checking the things off the checklist, and they feel like everything's okay from that. But here's what you need to know is God doesn't want that from you. He doesn't want you to check things off the checklist, right? Some of you are taskless people. I'm, I'm not. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to work at that. So some of you are taskless people. You've got you to gotta write the task. My wife is like that. She's got a notebook. I've told you that. Every night she makes out a list, and the next day she's checking things off the list, and the next night she puts the things that she didn't get done on that list onto the next list. That's probably like half of you in the room that do the exact same thing. And here's what I want you to know is that's well and good. That's not the way that Jesus wants you to follow him. It's it's not a task list. It's not just do this thing. He truly does just, he wants your your heart. And when he he has your heart, that's like with the overflow of your heart, your lips will speak. And what comes out of your mouth is the overflow of your heart. Like however you would would word that in your life and in your uh, whatever translation that you're familiar with that, it's like he, he wants that part of you. Because he knows if he has that part of you, what comes out of your mouth is different. And so he knows, he knows you. And he not just knows you, but he knows everything. So stop pretending. Stop just going through the motions. Stop, like, all of those things. And, and it, I'll throw it out there like this. Like, I, I love and, and think it's important for us to gather together as God's people like this. But like, if you're doing it because it's just this thing that you think that you should do, don't do it for that reason. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay, just stay home. I know that's hard. You're like, I can't believe the pastor said that. But really, like, if, it, if it's not this thing, like, if you don't want to, right, don't, don't pretend. Now, I will say this, like, I've never regretted showing up. Even there's days I don't want to show up here on a Sunday. I'll just admit that, right? But I've never regretted it. When I get here, I never regret it. But see, God knows. He knows my heart. Sometimes I'm walking down the street because I parked two blocks away from here, and I'm walking down the street. Sometimes my conversation with God in the morning is, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. So I need you to change my heart. Like, that's part of what I'll pray sometimes. Like, if I had a bad weekend or a bad week, and I'm frustrated and all these things, like, that's just some of the, I'm just being real. So those are the kind of conversations that I have along the way. And why, why do we do that? Because I don't want to pretend with him. I don't want to pretend. Because he already, he already knows me. Like, he knows me. He wired me the way that, that I am wired. Now, am I still working on some things? Absolutely, because he's working on me. So I'm working on it. All right, so um, God knows you stop pretending. Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Let's go. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heaven, you up to heaven, you are there. And if I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I will ask the darkness to hide I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Again, two things, two ways you look at it. One is, listen, God's everywhere, isn't that so awesome? 
And then there's God's everywhere. I can't get away from him. Right? So, I mean, seriously, like, I, I love the story of Jonah in the Scriptures. Anybody else love the story of Jonah in the Scriptures? I love the story. It's four chapters, very short. It, actually, I believe the book just kind of leaves you hanging. You don't really know what happened to Jonah. Like, he's just there. Um, but I was reading this, um, actually, when we were in Ecuador. We actually got a chance to go whale watching, right? So I was reading the book of Jonah and, and just kind of walking through that a little bit in my own life. And, and, and it was interesting because in, in, like, the very first maybe two or three verses, it could be the very first verse, but it's in the first two or three verses, he says, and Jonah tried to get away from the Lord. That's what, that's what his motivation was. His motivation, right? It, he was called to go to Nineveh. He was called to go and share God's message with the people of Nineveh, and he didn't want to go. But the reason that he ran in the other direction and boarded this ship was because he wanted to get away from the presence of the Lord. And so he's asleep. You know the story of Jonah. He's asleep on the boat. God sends this massive storm. I mean, the people on the boat, they're throwing things over, trying to figure out, like, whose God, little G God, is responsible for this storm. And they're, everybody's kind of checking in with their God, and Jonah's asleep. Like, that's what's happening. And they come to Jonah, and Jonah's like, yeah, it's my fault. Like, he didn't even have to consider it. Like, he knew exactly. They woke him up. There's the storm. He's, it's his fault. He's like, you guys just got to chuck me overboard. And they're like, wait a minute. We don't want to throw you overboard. So they try to keep throwing some other things overboard. And finally, they cast lots. And they, Jonah's like, seriously, you just got to throw me overboard. Don't worry about me. And, of course, if you know the story of Jonah, they actually throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a fish, lives there for three days. Which, by the way, did you know recently somebody got swallowed by a whale? Did you read that story? It's pretty cool. Uh, it wasn't in there three days, though. Um, but, right, the, but the picture that the psalmist is writing is, there, there's, there's nowhere that I can go from your presence. So again, two ways. It, it should encourage you in the way that whatever is going on in your life, right, what, whatever is happening in your life, whatever you're going through, even if, like we talked last week about being in the depths of despair, if you feel like you're in the depths of despair, if you're in a place today, it's like your life is consumed with worry. I would imagine if I asked you for a show of hands of whose life is consumed by worry right now, that probably, you know, a third of us at least would raise our hand and say, my life is consumed by worry right now. Guess what? God knows and he's there. He is, he has not abandoned you. He's not left you alone. He's not forsaken you. Like, he knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows and he cares. And so you've, you've, in some ways, as a follower of Jesus, and this is what makes a distinction between those who are following Jesus and are in a relationship with the Heavenly Father and those who are not in a relationship with the Heavenly Father, like, you've got God on your side. If you don't, if you've never trusted Jesus and you're not a part of the family of God, like you don't have God on your side like the believers do. I'm just throwing that out there. Like you're on the outside, you're looking in, kind of going, hey, I'd really like to be a part of that. I'd really like to have God on my side. I'd really like to have, as, as Paul would write later, I'd really like to have God for me and not against me. Well, guess what? That comes from being a part of his family. And when you're in his family, right, he's going to take up for his kids. So whatever is happening in your life, and you may, I, I get it, like I've been in those seasons too where 
you feel like everything's sort of crumbling and falling apart. In some ways, you feel like, man, where is God in all of this? And here's what you need to know. He's right where he's been all along. He's never left. He's never left. He's never abandoned you. He's never said, you know what, I'm done. I'm finished. He's with you. So the psalmist is writing, he says, even if I go to the heavens, even if I go to the grave, even, even if I try to hide in the darkness, you're there. You're there. In fact, not only are you there, but the darkness becomes light. You know, and, and, you know, we sing all sorts of songs about that. And I wonder sometimes, like, do we really understand what it is that we're singing when we, when we, when we say those types of things? Do we really get it? That God is, he's not... He's not giving up either. Like that's the other part of it that you understand is that in in the pursuit of you, in the pursuit of your life, like God's also not going to give up. If you belong to him, he's not giving up on you. Philippians 1.6 tells us that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. You know what that means? He's going to finish the work he started. Now, some of you, man, you're on like life's great detour. You know, and you're zigging and zagging and you're going all sorts of ways in different directions because at different seasons, like you're running away a little bit of what you want and then you come back and then you run away and then you come back. And what you need to know is like God has never left you. And you might wonder, like he applies some pressure. He does this. I don't know if you get this, but he applies some pressure to your life. And you're like, it's as if God just wants me to come back. Well, he does. Book of Hebrews tells us that, that God disciplines those whom He loves. And if you're part of His family, like He brings discipline on you at different times. Does anybody like discipline and correction? No, thank you. Right? But, but that's what God does when He loves you. Like He's doing those things because He said, I'm going to finish this work. So I'm going to take the hammer and I'm going to take the chisel and the sandpaper and the grinder and like I'm going to start getting the rough edges of your life. And that, that's, that's where we, we sort of have this misconception sometimes. Well, God made me this way, so it's okay for me to be this way. Well, not exactly. Yes, there are certain things about you that God created you exactly that way. And yes, God wired me a certain way, but it, because of sin, right? Those, those edges become pretty rough. Like some of you are porcupines kind of thing. Like think of it that way, you know? You're porcupines. Or, you know, you're just like rough sawn lumber, you know? And, and, and there's just all these little birds that, you know, you start, you're getting, you're, you, people are trying to hang out with you and be a part of your life, and like, man, they're getting splinters because they're hanging out with you. You ever, I mean, you get splinters and they're frustrating. It's like, man, I can't get, well, that's what God's doing. It's like, I gotta, I gotta get away, get some of these splinters off of you. I got, I got to sand that down a little bit. I got to run it through the planer. Well, that's, this stuff is painful. But here's sort of something to think about in the midst of it all is that um, as you go through life, God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. 
Let me say that again. As you go through life, God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. And that's what you begin to see in Psalm 139. It's what you begin to see in the New Testament is that, yep, um, you know, we had Cornerstone Creates this week. And we had like 60, 70 kids that were hanging out in here. And they're learning the verse, Ephesians 2.10, that we are his, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has planned for us a long time ago. And isn't that cool to know? Like, you are, yes, his masterpiece. But he's not finished. Like, he didn't, like, some of you are thinking, I'm finished. You're not finished. Like, he's not ready to hang you on the wall just yet. He's not ready to hang you there. Not ready to put you up for everybody to see. Because he's still working on you. But he also has these things prepared for you in your life. And you want to lean into that stuff as you go along. You can't escape him. All right. That leads us to this next part, 13 to 18. Ready? He says this. Um, you made all the delicate inward parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Some of you are really complex. You know what I'm saying? Like You're like, yeah, that's me. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. And as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, you are still with me. It's one of those things, I mean, honestly, when you look at it, you, you realize the, the big difference in, in humans versus any other part of God's creation. That's really what you begin to see. If, if you really, you know, just lean into, yes, the way that God has created us, the way that he has wired us, you know, like the, the intricacy of the DNA strands and like all of those types of things. That's, that's what's amazing, right? I mean, I, I shared with you um, last year as I was going through, you know, my heart problems is that I learned way more about the human heart than I wanted to know with the things that I went through last year. And, but, but one of the things that, that I really kind of marveled at was like, isn't that remarkable, the way that the heart is made and the way that God created it and the different chambers and the different functions and all of those types of things. And, and some of you, it's like not necessarily the human heart, but it's like the human mind, and that's what it is. I told you a, a while ago, several, many years ago, I got a, a metal splinter in my eye. I don't know if anybody, this ever happened. And I went to the eye doctor, and they took the metal splinter out, and they said, here, you just got to put this contact, which I think freaked me out more than getting the splinter out, because I'm not a contact guy. And um, wear this contact, and in two days, your eye is going to be as good as new. So that's how quickly it heals. Like, wow. That's what God did. That's what God did. That's, that's, how, he, that's how he made us. And so that, that's part of what you have to embrace in this, is that, like, that's the beauty of who we are as human beings, right? And so when you're, when you're looking at this and you realize, wait a minute, this is how he created me. So a fill-in-the-blank person, this is, this is what you've got to say, understand. God created you, trust his design. Trust his design. Now here's, here's the challenge, okay? I'm just being, being real with you. 
And it's the same challenge when you look at Psalm 139 and you realize, wait a minute, I think David wrote this. And you're like, oh, right? So we, we look at Psalm 139. Again, I told you it's been in the news. A lot of people are throwing it around there because of the Roe v. Wade decision with the Supreme Court. And, um, but, but what you have to understand is, and here's, here's what I want you to think about, is it's not only that God created you so trust his, his design, <clears throat> but did you know that he also created the person that you like the least? <sighs> Pastor. I was all good until you said that. But that's, that's, what, that's what becomes challenging for the rest of us. That's why I say, you know, David wrote this. And if you don't know the story of David, David um, had an affair with this woman named Bathsheba, got her pregnant, and um, winds up um, having her husband killed by putting him on the front lines of battle. He murdered him. Had him murdered. However you want to say it. But that's what we're talking about is that not only did God create you, so for you to trust his, his design, but um, God created the person that you, you like the least. In fact, let's just, the, the person that you hate the most. The person that you think is beyond God's reach. This is, this is the part, yes, you want people to know this. Tainted by sin, yes. Corrupted by sin, yes. That's what you see around the world. You know, that's what's happening. But God still created them. Not only did God still create them, God still loves them. Not only does God still love them, but he loves them so much that yes, whether or not you believe it, he did send his one and only son to die on the cross for that person as well. That's, that's what makes him remarkable. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Like, that's what makes, that, and to me, like, I've said it before, that's what makes the gospel so amazing. Because we, we, we have a tendency, in, in, especially in our, in our North American culture, like, we have this tendency to think that we're relatively good people. And so what, what we do is that translates a lot of times to, well, you know, God sent Jesus to die for people like me, and that's true. But we think we're relatively good people. So we think that Jesus came to die for relatively good people. But what you've got to know is that Jesus came to die for everybody. That's how, that's how much God loves the world. That, that every person that he created, he tells us. I, I don't, and I'll paraphrase from, from First Peter, Second Peter 3. Like, God doesn't want anyone, any, anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Because he, he loves them as much as he loves you. So yes, God created you, trust his design, but remember that he created the person that's least like you as well. Corrupted by sin, just like you are. But that's what the gospel's about. That's what redemption is about. That, that's what he's doing in us. For, for um, we are his workmanship created anew in Christ Jesus. It's the, for if any man is in Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, you know this, right? If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away. 
all things are new. And he wants to do that for you and 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 you. And all the people that aren't like you and you and you and you. And all the people that you don't like at all. And the people that you see around and you're like, ah, he created them. And he wants, he wants to have a relationship with them. He wants to welcome them into his family. That's what he wants. So trust his design. Trust what he's doing. Right? Trust what he's doing. I mean, listen, I, I know this is one of those things like you're looking at. We get so consumed with our life. We, we're forgetting, like, you, you know, like God has work for you to do. Like, I'm, and I'm not talking about just your job. I mean, that's part of it. But like, God has specifically wired you to do specific things so that people would get a little glimpse of who he is. And they would get a little taste of who he is. And then they would go, I want what you have. And you're like, I, isn't it remarkable what he did? And you're able to open your mouth and share with them the greatest news in all the world. That God loves them. And even though their life has been corrupted by sin, just like our life has, He still loves them. And He still sent His one and only Son to die on a cross for them. So that they don't have to pay the penalty of their sin because He put it on the cross of Christ. Oh, how remarkable that is. How remarkable. Last thing, Psalm 139, 19 through 24. Oh God, if, you, if only you would destroy the wicked. This is where it gets really personal for David. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? I, yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O God. Isn't that that an interesting change? I hate them! Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, it's, it's interesting because, again, the difference between the Old and the New Testament right? The Old Testament, you see that type of stuff. You see God actually on behalf of his people going in, like wiping out folks, nations upon nation upon nation. And then, and then in the New Testament, like Jesus comes into this world. And I don't know if you know this, but as Jesus would come in and he would start teaching, you know, a lot of times he's, I mean, primarily he's talking to the Jewish people. So the Jewish people, they'd be familiar with David. Like, what is it? how does he say it? I want to get it right. He says, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. And, and then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus is in the world, and you know what he says? He says to love your enemies. He, he says to bless those who persecute you. He says if someone comes and they want to force you to carry their bag for a mile, because that's what the soldiers would do. He said, don't just carry it a mile. Like, go two. And oh, by the way, when someone smacks you across the face, just turn the other cheek. Whoa. 
See, that's why you can't just read the Old Testament, honestly. There's great stuff in the Old Testament. But see, David, David, David wasn't quite ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he, his, he wasn't a masterpiece that God wanted to hang in the foyer yet. And so he's, he's saying, like, I hate them, I hate them, I hate them. And if Jesus were standing there with him in that moment, I wonder if he would say, bless those who persecute you, David. Bless and do not curse. And so that's, that's one of the reasons I believe he, he takes this, like he takes this really strong stance and then he says, now search me, oh God, and know my heart. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Show me, right? Test me know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And if you're someone who is filling in the blanks, here's my last thing. And it's this, that God loves you. So embrace evaluation. It's kind of a weird way to say it, but that's what he's getting at. Like he's, he's pausing long enough in this moment, like he's pausing long enough to say, wait a minute, search me, oh God, and know my thoughts. Test me and show me, like, what is it about me? What are the things that have been corrupted and tainted by sin in my life that that I need the holy sandpaper to start sanding off the rough edges of my life? Because he's at work in you. He's at work in you. He's at work at the people that you made like the least. But see, here's the thing. You you don't really have to worry about what he's doing in someone else's life. You should be more worried about what he's doing in your life. And so you should ask the question, like Psalm 139. Search me. Search me, O God, and and just know my heart and my anxious thoughts. Reveal these things. That's the evaluation part. Just sit. What are the things about me? What are the things about my life that are not pleasing to you? How, how, How am I living a life that is disobedient? What are the things that you're trying to change? And some of it has to do with, like, yes, the way you're wired has been corrupted by sin. I know that's true in my own life, in my own heart. Personality profiles are amazing. They help reveal who you are. But they should also help you realize how you should be relating to the people that are around you. And if you just sit back and go, well, that's just who I am and that's how I'm wired, then you're missing the great point of it all. Because God, let me just say this, God is concerned about your heart and God is concerned about who you are and so yep that's why he brings these certain things or allows these certain things to come into your life because he's like I'm, I'm molding and I'm shaping you I'm still the potter and you're still the clay and I'm not finished but one day one day and honestly it's the day you're going to meet Jesus face to face one day you're going to be a great masterpiece. But until then, he keeps preparing you for what he has prepared for you. So trust what he's doing. Let me pray for you.
we're going to sing as we close our service this morning. And I want to encourage you, if you are someone and in, in are in need of prayer, you got some things that are heavy on your heart, and, uh, you can catch any member of our team, and we would love the chance just to stop and just talk with you, pray with you, encourage you, just listen to what's going on. We know there's a lot of folks that are dealing with a lot of different things, and we want you to know you don't have to go through those things by yourself. Okay, so grab one of us as, as we close our service. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing. Father, thank you for uh, your word today. <laughs> Lord, I, I look at it, I think, man, it's, it's good in some ways, and then in some ways I'm like, ah, I can't get away from you. But Lord, I'm glad I can't get away from you. I'm glad that you keep working on me. I'm a mess. I know the, every person in here is kind of a mess. In some ways, we're all train wrecks but you're so patient with us and good to us. And so I pray that you would help us to embrace what you're doing. Not to run from it, not to try to hide from it, not to pretend and fake our way out of it, but just to embrace, God, this is what you're doing. This is what you're up to. Thank you that you love us that much, that you care about us so much. So as we go through this week, would we go with eyes open and hearts open to how you are molding and shaping us into the people that for you that you desire for us to be? And it's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's sing as we close our time together this morning?